Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another reality that exists in Canada, and one that we don't talk about nearly enough, there's not enough attention paid to it on a regular basis, is homelessness. And given the economic climate that we're in, there is, and we'll ask our guests about this, but I think there is the risk of homelessness becoming even more of an intrusive reality than it is now. Um, how is the current global and Canadian reality affecting our fellow citizens who do not have a door to lock behind them, who do not have food waiting in a refrigerator and the means to restock their food supply? So how much of a crisis is homelessness in Canada? How many Canadians are homeless and why and what are their prospects? Tim Richter is the president and CEO of the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. He joins us from Edmonton. How are you, Tim? Good afternoon. I'm great. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Um, Al Weeb is uh, with an organization called of No Fixed Address, Peer Community Engagement. He's also a motivational speaker. And Al Weeb lived homeless after being a successful professional. Al, good to have you with us. Uh, thank you. appreciate uh, you having us on today. Um, let's talk about um, homelessness as a national reality in Canada. Let's begin with that. Uh, why don't you start us off, Tim? Well, right now we estimate uh, between 200 and around 235,000 people experience homelessness over the course of a year, usually about 30,000 people a night. But there's some indication from some of the data we're seeing, and data on homelessness is a little hard to come by, but we're seeing, we're starting to see some data that indicates it may be increasing. We um, during during the pandemic, we we um, have uh, 19 cities that were giving us real time data on everybody experiencing homelessness, so they knew, uh, you know, everybody by name, and were sharing kind of their their rates. And they saw these are communities that had really good quality data at the beginning of the pandemic and all the way through, um, and. Of those 19 communities, 74% were seeing increases over between February 2020 and uh, March of this year, and those increases averaged about 60%. So we there's some indication that, that the pandemic is putting a lot of pressure on it, and we're starting to see more people experiencing homelessness in Canada. What's the definition of homelessness? Well, homeless is, is basically any person without a, a permanent, stable, safe, affordable place to live. And that takes a few different forms. You know, you can be absolutely homeless. So you're on the street, you're living, you're sleeping rough. You could be uh, in shelter, um, you know, or you could be in a domestic violence shelter. So the women are a, a piece of the a part of the homeless population we don't often talk about um, and, and are more often hidden but they tend to experience homelessness in, you know, domestic violence shelters or, uh, more importantly, uh, hidden homelessness. So they could be, you know, you could be couch surfing, um, uh, or you could be, you know, staying in a in an abusive relationship because you don't have anywhere else to go. 
Um, there's also people that are in institutions, so people who are hospitalized who may not have a permanent home or in jail who don't have a permanent home. Al, Al, you had personal experience uh, with being mm-hmm. homeless. Yeah. I, I did as well, but that was a kid. Um, how did it become part of your life? Because you were a successful um, successful person. You were making good money, had a great yep. career. Mm-hmm. And so how did homelessness become a fact of life for you? Well, yeah, I always say, you know, um, people ask me that quite often. You made you made a lot of money. Uh, like, what happened? I say, well, you know what? Uh, when uh, mental illness comes into play, uh, logic goes out the window, and things sometimes don't make sense. And that's that's what happened to me. I was I was um, uh, diagnosed with clinical depression years ago, but you know, I was too proud and too strong to take uh, you know to get medication for it. And uh, when the time came, um, when I um, you know, was told I was losing my position after seven and a half years. I just couldn't handle the trauma of that. And uh, it took me a while. I traveled the country and spent uh, a of money and, and uh, uh, found a way of to, to dig myself out of the depression of homelessness and uh, put me out of uh, losing my job, and I was unable to cope with that trauma. And uh, because I, I was in suicidal ideation, I thought, okay, well, the way I'm going to do it, because I'm afraid of pain, and well, I'm just going to go out there um, and uh, die of uh, hypothermia out, in, uh, out, out there somewhere. And, uh, you know, I'd spent a good deal of money uh, in a cross-country uh, endeavor to spend my way out of homelessness, but it didn't work. And, um, you know, I found myself on the street, you know, after spending roughly 30000 bucks in, in a very short period of time. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah I, uh, I became homeless simply because of the fact that I was not treated for, for depression. I ne- never got support during the six months prior to getting uh, getting released from my job, and I knew six months prior to I was. And I think, you know, the two things, um, clinical depression and, you know, workplace anxiety that played into it and the trauma of that and not getting help when I needed it, uh, both of those things played into what? it. What's the first day like, Al? What was the first day like for you? And well, you had your well, thirty, was, you had your thirty grand, you spent it, yeah. and then you find yourself on the street. The, the first yeah. day that you're on the street and you realize, hey, I have no money, I have no home. What's that like? Yeah, well, you know, I, I left, uh, I left my apartment behind with about uh, between eight and ten thousand dollars worth of furniture and everything else. I walked away with a couple sets of clothes, a couple of pairs of shoes, a pillow, and a blanket. I uh, spent a month in a hotel before, you know, I decided, well, you know, I'm 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 going to commit suicide by hypothermia. So anyway, my first uh, my first night was uh, just hit me in the face. Here I was, you know, making 150 a year, and all of a sudden, here I am sleeping in the back of a piece of junk Mercedes. I used to drive a really nice Mercedes back, you know, back in the day, and and um, and here here I was in the back of a junkyard. A car lot, uh, and sleeping in a piece, a piece of 64 Mercedes that they used for parts. And it really hit me in the face. And what I did, first thing I did when I got in, I said, Dear God, do not let me wake up in the morning. You know, I, I did not want to leave. I, I thought I'd maybe die of hypothermia. The day I got out there, it was in the minus 20, it was minus 28 to minus 30 something. And I thought, Okay, you know, this is an easy one. I won't wake up tomorrow morning. I'll be all over. Uh, I survived a really cold winter, but that very first night it was like a real slap in the face. You know, I had to go to the washer behind the car against the building, you know, that kind of thing. And you know, you learn. I learned extremely quickly about the degradation of what homelessness is and uh, how it takes 
dignity and everything else away from you. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, Tim, everyone's story is going to be somewhat different. Um, mm-hmm. The experience of homelessness is going to hit each person, I think, probably a little bit differently. But the common denominator is, because it's not everybody sleeping in a sleeping bag on the street corner, uh, which is sort of the archetypal um scene that we see that we feel terrible about and then keep on walking after we hopefully try to provide some assistance to that person. But it's not its not always the same. Uh, situations are different. People can be homeless without even preparing to be homeless, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's there's people that I that I know uh, personally that that are experiencing homelessness but don't think of themselves that way. So why, why in this country, with all of its wealth, its prosperity, its uh, it's it's you know it's advanced systems first world country. Why do we have as many people homeless? What what's the core reason? What's the core issue that has to be addressed? It it really comes down to the cost of housing and uh, the lack of housing that's affordable to people who are in the lowest income uh, brackets of, of of our communities, right? And you know modern mass homelessness like we see today. Uh, hasn't always been with us. Like we didn't in the early 80s, in the late 70s, early 80s, we didn't see homelessness like we see it today. Uh, and that changed beginning in the 80s when the federal government in particular began to withdraw and stop spending money on affordable housing. And, you know, also there were some cuts to income support and other things and health care uh, that, that contributed to it. But that created a loss of uh, a loss of uh, of affordable housing. What's interesting at the same time, and this is, there's parallels to this we're starting to see today, the cost of everything got more, right? So the cost of everything started going up, putting increased pressure on people yes. who were living in unaffordable housing. So you had less housing, more less affordable housing, more people needing it, and uh, incomes not keeping up with inflation and the cost of everything so going up. So are, are we are we there right now? Uh, I think we're I think we're, we're in danger of of starting to see it. Like I think you'll see soon the pressure on the lowest income households in this country starting to be a bit uh, too much. Uh, you're going to start seeing more people entering the shelters. I think probably fairly soon, unless unless we act. So um, we're going to take a break in a minute. But Al, when you hear Tim talk about that, and you think about your own experience. Mm-hmm. How does it make you feel? And and when you see someone, when you know someone is homeless, how does that make you feel? What do you say? What can we say to somebody? What can what can we do for someone who is homeless? And we know they are. What can we do? Well, what can we do? That's a really that is really good. You know, we we have um, good supports around. But you know, again, what Tim was uh, was talking about. You know, we just don't have enough. Housing, housing. Uh, to, to put them, we have lots yeah. and lots of housing. We have more than enough housing in the country to put people in. We just don't have housing that is applicable cost-wise. And mm-hmm. I don't like to use the word affordable, uh, but you know, housing here to income or low-income housing. Um, you know, what, what what can we tell them? Um, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of media stuff, and I get recognized on the street, and and and, they, and people tell me thank you for working for us. I say, well, it's not, you know, everybody's working for you. Uh, I, you know, it, it's hard for us to, you know, for me to give them a good deal of hope because, you know, we're, we're, we seem to be going backwards instead of forwards. But, you know, I would say, you know, I, I let folks know that we are working for them. There's a lot of people across this country working for them and, you know, hang in there. And, um, 
there, there is, you know, some a delay at the end of the tunnel isn't necessarily a train. Okay. And, um, you know, we will find more housing for you. And, Let me... You know, and, and, and as Tim will tell you, too, the federal government today is actually moving in the direction of creating more more uh, more funding okay so what we need what we need is roofs for people's heads and yeah. the roofs are there in many cases yeah. now they just have to be accessible I did a program a few years That's ago exactly with a gentleman in Ontario in London Ontario who had lived homeless for a few years he listens to this program a lot he may be listening now uh, and he told us about having just been able to had acquired an apartment because through the system in the city of London, I think that's how it worked, he was able to get into an apartment of his own. He had his own back front door again, his own ability, his own kitchen, his own bedroom, his own, his own uh, furniture. And it was such an experience for him. And what we take for granted for so many people in this country is an absolute luxury that they don't often think about. Well, I want to come back and talk to you both about what the resources are, what you say to people, what, what, what advice do you give to people who are living homeless? Because, because just because you're homeless doesn't mean you can't listen to radio or you can't, you know, it just means you, you, you don't have a place to live. It's, it's a tough deal. Tim, what resources are available to homeless people across the country, and, and if, if people find themselves sort of on the margins where they feel, well, I just can't afford it anymore, I, I can't mm-hmm. afford a home, I can't afford food, I can't afford everything, I'm going to have to give up something, what's out there for them, and what's out there for the person who's been homeless for some time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, there, there's a lot of resources around, around in, in communities, and it depends largely on, on where you live. In most cities, uh, you can call 211. Uh, most, most most provinces you call two one one or three one one. It depends what you have locally to to try and find some of those resources. Um, that that's probably probably the best bet, and it really depends on depends on what you're needing. For those people who are uh, experiencing homelessness, I mean, the the challenge the challenge is always finding that housing that can be afforded and and that has the supports you need to to, to keep it to help. Get better from the things you you want to help getting better from, uh, and that's that's the principal challenge. And there's just not enough uh, around at this point. Yeah, people. Yeah, and you know, in, in Winnipeg, we have um, you know several outreach teams going around to all the camps and and the shelters and the riverbanks and, and talking to these people every single day. And um, you know, they are well equipped to, to offer. Mm-hmm offer the, the, the homeless, you know, the resources that they need and, and, and actually even take them to, to the resources that they might need here. Al, how did you get out of the homelessness reality? What, uh, what prompted you to get was, out? That, you know, um, I, I, I was rejected uh, numerous times by the, by the healthcare system, and, and because of that, I, I did a bridge jump to take my life, and I survived it. I was very lucky to. Uh, but I finally ended up getting help at, at St. Barnabas Hospital here, and the doctor offered me self, uh, you know, offered me life-changing words and life-sustaining words, and she sent me to she sent me to um, a, a psych ward at, at a different hospital because she didn't have any beds. And that doctor there, the psychiatrist there, after a month, sent me to Salvation Army. And um, I finally, you know, and I finally ended up uh, getting out of Salvation Army. It took I spent 14 months there, but it took an extra four months to get out because there's a really great program called Avanche Soi. That was at that point in time taking up all the apartments in Winnipeg. Uh, you know, it was, it was a supported housing and a housing first program. And I eventually got out, and um, 
uh, it was it was a tough struggle though. You know, uh, just because you get out of out of homeless and into housing, we, we we do take people out of homelessness and put them in housing. It doesn't end there. It has to start there. Uh, many people slip back into homelessness because they are not supported, and it's really important to have have people support those uh, folks. And, and uh, I was not supported in my housing. I was, I was part of the program, but I was only seen once every three months by the uh, by the case workers in the uh, in the project. Yeah. So I should. Yeah, uh, it, it took a lot of perseverance just to get out yeah. of. That's the word I was thinking of as you were talking. Uh, for for somebody to get out of the homelessness reality, oh if you've been goodness. homeless, perseverance, eh? the determination to stay with it and take advantage mm-hmm. of what programs are available. And mm-hmm. we do need, as you as you've said, both said, need more roofs over people's heads. Oh man, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. And you know, and roofs that roofs there are enough roofs out there, but we need roofs that that are that are low income. Yes. And so we put people in. A place and they're, uh, and they're paying $1,000 a month, they're not going to stay there. They'll be kicked out in two, three months. Okay. We need housing that is geared to income and, and uh, low income housing. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.